welcome to Making Sense of Movies. I'm Elena. I'm Claire. And welcome to the podcast. Um, Before we start on today's episode, we'd like to say thank you to our listeners. Our last podcast did really well and we're glad you all liked it. If you want more ranking videos from us, wait videos, recordings from us, let us know (laughs) in the comments, on our Instagram, on our Twitter, on our letterbox. It's all there. And Today's also a special episode because we're doing Disney Channel Original Movies Part 2. Part 1 got over 100 listens and Claire and I were like, let's do another one. We gotta do more. You know, as long as we're making more Disney Channel Original Movies, we'll be here to talk about them. And there are a lot. Um, It's the same formula as last time. We're doing one very sciencey one, one totally bonkers one, one musical, one quote-unquote normal and then the other one was like fantasy mythic mythical one so that's the same formula um we're going in order from least recent to most recently came out um if you wonder what our method is and we're gonna start with a classic the cheetah girls and have you ever watched cheetah girls before claire because i know you weren't super into Disney Channel original movies. No, I had not seen the Cheetah Girls before. However, I did see the third Cheetah Girls movie <laughs> where um, I think they go to India, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. And there was only three Cheetah Girls. Uh, Raven Simone wasn't there. So uh, for someone who had didn't really have Disney Channel, I kind of thought there was only three Cheetah Girls. So four show oh. up here and I'm like, what's going on? Um, okay. But you know, I I liked the third one so, and I liked this one too a lot. Yeah, this one's like really like good. A lot of good dynamics between like the girls in the band, and most of them are like really fleshed out, and we yeah like know the relationship with each other, and then their family life. Really, I feel like the only girl we didn't get too too much into was was um, it Aqua? Yeah, it was Aqua because we know <laughs> we know she's rich. And she does not take the subway and has a hard time hailing down a cab. But besides that, I'm like, who is this girl? Who is she? I, I wrote in my notes her entire her entire personality is I'm from Texas. And from Texas, yeah. But <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So before we start, we've got to talk about these names. Um, so we have Galleria, Chanel, Aqua, and Dorindo, and Dorinda, also known as Doe. And they make up the Cheetah Girls. Galleria is Raven Simone, the other three girls, I don't know their actors' names, unfortunately. But okay, wait, that's the other thing with like they all have their names and then nicknames. So at the beginning of the movie, I had to be, it was like a puzzle piece. I was like, all right, who's who? Who's who? Same. I like it. It wasn't until um when they were, I think, doing the one of the songs for the talent show that like they mm-hmm. said all their names. And I was like, I have to write this down because they're not gonna say it again. Mm-hmm. Um And this basically follows them as they kind of get noticed by a recording studio and they kind of have to decide like, do they want to do this recording studio and like change their cheetah girl identity or do they want to do this talent show? And then if they win the talent show, they get their own studio time, they get to record their own music. Um, This movie, honestly, I think of the five that we've watched is the one least like focus on romance like there is Mm -hmm. a romance between Galleria and this random white guy that like has a rap at some point that's kind of it like I you know nothing else about him except that he makes fun of her and then 
everyone's like, he so likes you. And I'm like, he was kind of mean. Yeah, he just keeps on like popping up once in a while. And then he has his own band. So that's kind of like a little uh, subplot going on where they want to win for themselves because they are very talented and want that recording time. But like, they also want to beat this guy group who's probably their biggest competition here. Yeah. Um, so that's that's essentially the whole plot. Um, and it's really like, the core of it is like their friendship, especially between like Galleria versus Chanel Dorinda. Because Galleria, <laughs> I, I would say, is not a great friend in this movie and kind of learns to see other people's point of view besides her own. Yes, and I, I think she's a little complicated though because there were a lot, I'd say for the first half of the movie, when it's really the girls evaluating Galleria, um, you kind of see her as the fame's already gone to her head and she's just like, can't stop talking about the Cheetah Girls and them with, uh, what's the guy's name who, um, um, oh, Jackal Johnson, which yeah, is like a crazy name in of itself, Jackal Johnson. Uh, and we kind of see the school and the girls begin to just question um just kind of question if she's doing the right thing for the band but then yeah. I feel like in the second half of the movie where they're really showing it from her perspective it's you kind of see see it in the other direction where she really even though she's not being a great friend she has the band at heart yeah but like if it's a story about friendship like I guess she's still in the wrong there yeah because they all kind of go against her and essentially mm-hmm. like what happens is they, they are, they're doing their practicing for the talent show and Jackal Johnson is there because he knows they're, because he was taught by their art teacher, Drinka is her name, who was a one hit wonder in the seventies. This is all important, obviously. Um, and he's like, you know what? I think you all are really great. I'm going to come to your studio and they go to the studio and he likes what he's, he hears. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to, we're going to change everything because the studio is like, we want to make money. And at first, Galleria was like, oh, we're going to go to the studio. We're going to miss the talent show. And then once she hears, like, they're not going to be the Cheetah Girls, Galleria's like, no. But she never, like, consults Chanel, Aqua, or Dorinda at all. And that's, like, kind of where the fights start. And also, like, once they go to the the studio for the first time before they know they're going to, like, change the band, Galleria just, there's this whole sequence where she's just saying the same story over and over and over. And everyone is getting sick of her, but like she can't see that. And they, and then literally, Chanel Aqua and Dorinda go out, go out of the cafeteria, and there's literally like a poster of her face, and it's like, I don't know, something like slander against the Cheetah Girls or something. Oh yeah, because they already have their own hate group already. Yeah, literally, I'm just like, like one. It's been a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some, they had some organization. Yeah, and I really thought they made the organization that Jackal Johnson was a part of like they he starts out making him seem really cool and you're kind of hoping that like oh this is actually gonna be great for them like this is a big break they're getting yeah but then they have to lips lip sync wear these awful masks that have animal print on them so they're covering their whole faces Mm -hmm. and just essentially changing the whole brand that they had been really building up um so they really make them just look like completely idiots towards the very end of the movie yeah exactly um and also, I thought this, his, the recording studio that they're in kind of looks like an mm-hmm. evil villain layer. Were you getting that vibe? It does, yeah. I no, I would definitely, because it was like a lot of empty space. 
Uh, a lot of just kind of random hallways that they're walking down. Yeah. It doesn't feel like, I mean, I've never been to a music studio before, but it seemed, when I think of a music studio, I think of like a lot of collaborating people where you've got a lot of musicians going in and out and it mm-hmm. always seemed to be just them at this studio. Yeah, it was it was a little weird. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously at the end, they come together because Galleria's dog, Toto, is stuck in a construction during when the talent show is happening. And of course, when the talent show is happening, the news is all like, oh my God, there's this dog stuck. So they, they projected the news of Galleria's dog being stuck to the screen. And everyone comes down and Aqua takes the subway. Um, Aqua has her big moment taking the subway. For Galleria. And she's like, no, it's for Toto. He's the dog. Um, And then they need the dog to, I guess, like move. So they all sing. And then they also win the talent show. (laughs) So they get what they want in the end. Um, They really just get everything they want and I kind of like have you seen the second one like what even happens in that one the outline all I remember is that they're in Barcelona and the budget was increased that's okay. all I rem- that's all I know um but yeah I think overall like this is a really cute movie one of my favorite parts is that this is not like our musical one because for this one like the songs don't move forward the plot like they're it's part of the like it they when they say they're gonna sing like they sing it's not like they just break into song about their thoughts mm-hmm. Um, but the, a lot of the songs are filmed like music videos. So when they sing, like the the first, the opening is them singing at a birthday party, and that's not really shot like a, a music video. But when they sing Cinderella, when they're practicing for the talent show, it's like it's like the very two thousands music video where they're like looking straight into the camera, mm-hmm. and they have their choreo. It was actually I really liked that. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I like the song they sing as well. Uh, when they're singing for Jackal Johnson at the studio because yeah, there's at one when each girl's doing her solo they get really close to the screen and there's this like gold lighting that goes on top of all of them uh, just kind of to break them out from the other girls in the background and which I just thought that was really well done too. Yeah I thought that was nice. Um, I'm trying to think like what are some other aspects oh, I guess we can go over each girl. We kind of already went over Aqua in her whole um <laughs> Her entire arc because that she could yeah. take the subway now. Yeah, so um, I guess if we start with um, Bubbles, she Bubbles. has like, or that's her nickname, Ra- uh, Raven Simone. Oh, Gallery her, her, like, her nickname was Bubbles. Totally <laughs> um, forgot. Um, so I guess her background is she has a mom who's very overbearing and mm-hmm. always trying to like kind of get not really get in her way because she's got the best intentions for her and the like the rest of the girls but it's seen as like oh you're always just kind of stepping on what we're doing like you're not letting us make our own decisions and then meanwhile she's also like uh since Galleria is still focusing so much on the band she's also not doing any of her chores at home not taking her dog out so there's all these dynamics of just people kind of focusing on or I guess Galleria is just focusing on herself while her mom is just only focusing on her yeah and this is I guess best portrayed when she comes back from the the first scene when they're performing at the birthday party 
um she goes back home she's like oh I forgot to walk Toto and then she also forgets to tell her mom who's like a like some seamstress or maybe fashion designer it's not made very clear what the mom does mm-hmm. has something to do with fashion and she has clients um but Galleria for- pretends to tell not pretends forgets to tell her mom that like a client already came and kind of makes the mom look unprepared so and like she doesn't understand like why her mom is so angry so mm-hmm. I think that also like shows not only does she like ignore her friends wishes and doesn't really see it she also like doesn't really understand her parents her father is Italian and he's just kind of there he's like listen to your mom um yeah he's just kind of there but I guess we could also say that her family dynamic is supposed to be kind of parallel to or not parallel just um anti-Chanel's where she's got the single mom who is neglecting her because she's got a new boyfriend from Paris so uh you keep on seeing her come home and wanting to talk about the band and the mom's just never there promising shopping trips that just never even happen Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of the two sides of the coin with those two best friends yeah I did like when um Chanel and her mom are doing the skincare at night I thought Mm -hmm. that was really cute um Yeah, and that's like Chanel and she goes on like a shopping spree and her mom gets really pissed and Chanel kind of like lets everything out. She's like, well, you don't come home and you don't like spend time with me. Like it doesn't, like you were supposed to be doing this with me. So you could have told me what Mm -hmm. to not spend. And her mom kind of like understands where Chanel is coming from. And also she wants to sell the apartment, Mm -hmm. which Chanel doesn't realize and which is obviously hard on her. I don't know. I don't. Do they end up selling it in the end, or they? Just I don't didn't think go they do, but they just keep on like implying all these financial troubles they're having. Yeah, but I don't know if anything really big comes of that. Exactly, and then I would say probably the most what I wasn't expecting from a Disney Channel original movie was Dorinda, who mm-hmm. um, she works at a like a dance studio, but she doesn't tell her friends that she has a job, and. She is also in foster care. So she's a foster mom who has, I think, several other um, foster children. Ten ten children. Ten children, yeah. And she doesn't tell anyone. It was a really cute scene where Chanel, because so uh, Dorinda tells all the girls, oh, she lives at this hotel or this apartment building. And the only reason they're allowed to live there is because the um, foster mom's husband is the super. So Chanel comes to like show her something that she bought and they have this really cute heart-to-heart moment where Dorinda's like well I'm like that's my foster mom that's not my real mom because Chanel Mm -hmm. is like oh I didn't know you were like half black Mm -hmm. Dorinda's like no (laughs) um and she kind of like it was really sad because she's kind of like my mom didn't want me but like she's my real family and I was like tearing up over this I know that was so nice um, especially because it's so it was really hard to see that it was something she's always been so insecure about like yeah. you were saying with uh they would pull up to the building that was the hotel and she would wait for her friends to drive away so she could walk in the alley around back and then Galleria at one point was like critiquing her fashion being like mm-hmm. oh she only wears the same clothes every single day like she can't do that for the band because it's not going to make us look good yeah which where is- it's not something she really had a choice to do um mm-hmm. because of their economic status and um and then at one point um what's her name um aqua no 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 not aqua it was oh chanel gives her 
one of the jackets that she had got yeah. on the shopping trip. So that was also a nice moment. Yeah, I thought that was like a really nice and like strengthened their um, friendship, which I thought was really mm-hmm. cute. And then obviously Dorinda like comes clean. Well, not even Dorinda comes clean. Chanel tells Galleria about Dorinda, which mm-hmm. I was like, would Dorinda like that? Like, should Dorinda be the one to tell? And yeah. you can tell Galleria, Galleria feels bad because she was so insensitive about the clothing. Mm-hmm. And like also because Dorinda works she um like she has a job she needs the money she she thinks of the opportunity at like Jackal Johnson as like money that she needs that she was like seriously Mm -hmm. considering it and then she gets offered to like tour with this band because she's a good dancer which Galleria also is like you don't even sing just dance I was like, girl, why are you insulting your band? She's just, yeah, she's just being really cutthroat to the girls who are really just out here trying to support her. Like, mm-hmm. who knows? Exactly. Oh, one line that I wrote down that I really like when um, that, that guy from the band comes up to them and is just kind of like talking trash. Um, she says, if he can't respect my art, he can't have my heart. That's what Galleria <laughs> right. says. And I was like, good line. But also he does respect because I think once once the whole jackal thing kind of subsides, she's not talking to the other girls. And she kind of like has this like solo moment where she sings a song. And I don't even know this guy's name. He comes up and he's kind of like, you shouldn't like walk away from your friends or something like that. Like, like you should try to like reach out. Like just because this one thing happened doesn't mean like it's over which I thought was was very nice I was like that's cute maybe it wasn't him I don't know what he said but it was something along the lines of that mm-hmm. also at the end um Dorinda introduces her her foster family well her family to um the other moms and I was like the mom group I know, we don't know anything so about Aqua's mom though we don't meet Aqua's parents no we never met her parents <laughs> Aqua's the least she's like not even a character I know yeah at that point like not that I would take her out but like they could have they could have they could have um I'm trying to think so one thing that like really bugged me about this movie is that the way they talked was just so weird like they kept trying they kept saying like cheetalicious and the way they would talk sometimes I'm just like this is an adult male who wrote this or parts of it maybe it's just yeah, ever, like mm-hmm. it was so odd it was kind of like the first kind of pitch perfect where they kept on being like Aka excuse me like whoever wrote that movie probably really liked the Cheetah Girls and was like you know what we have to bring this back just like taking other words and just using it everywhere yeah I agree I agree also um one of the literal weirdest parts of this entire movie was when that guy who Galleria ends up like kissing at the end of the movie, when the first time we're introduced to him, he's just doing like an Australian accent and pretending to be. What? Do you, are you serious? Did you forget that? I like don't remember that. That guy was just such a blip on this movie. Like, <laughs> was, that leader is that is seared into my mind. Like they're in the <laughs> school, they're in the hallway, and this Australian accent. It's just like harassing them. And I was like, why? What was the choice behind this? Like, what was, what was the reason? What was the reason? <laughs> a la Cardi B. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that was the one thing where I was like, why? Well, the choices were made. 
Just he, I guess he committed though. I've got to rewatch that, but it sounded like a commitment for sure. Yeah, it was. And his band is him and his other friend, and they're called Sonic Chaos. Also filmed like a music video when they were rapping, but mm-hmm. but their rap was so forgettable. <laughs> what was your favorite song? I this? think my favorite song. I like the Cheetah Girls, like the main song at the end. Yeah. Oh, I'm a big fan. That of was the best one. Cinderella. That was a good one too. Yeah. Like it's humming it in my head right now. <laughs> but it was it was good. I would say like one of the things I liked about this movie too is that they all look like teenagers. Yeah, and I feel like you can kind of say that about most of the movies on our list. Like, that's kind of what the Disney Channel originals do really well. Like, they're not doing stuff like Riverdale, where all these kids are, or all these guys are, like, 30, 30 Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. That's nice about this, is that, like, Mm -hmm. they they might not talk like real teenagers, Mm -hmm. but they they are the actual age. Shall we move on to our next movie? Oof. Um, Love it. No, this is just such, I'm like, I'm like, we have to explain this plot. Okay, we're talking about uh, Pixel Perfect next. Um, I and- <laughs> will say, um, my friend texted me and she was like, I saw you watch Pixel Perfect. And I, I actually wrote, honestly, this movie holds up. Yeah, I like this movie. This like, out of all the movies we've good. seen. Yeah, this was really good. And I was like, holy shit, like, what is even going to happen here? I know, so- it was like, actually I would say this is the most like cinematic like the plot's actually really interesting they're not super cringy in the way they talk Mm -hmm. the acting is super like naturalistic like they're not there's some reason like the directors of the Disney Channel original movies like really likes the the kids to like sound really weird Mm -hmm. and like out of place but this one's actually really good um, yes. If you don't know what Pixel Perfect is about, it follows the guy from Built to the Future. His name's Roscoe in this movie. Um, who his dad works at some company and he has access to all this holographic stuff. And his friend Sam is in a band, but they they were like judged and they said, "Oh, you need a singer who's like really dancing and really like energetic." So he creates a hologram, and their band starts to get really popular and essentially like follows that movie about like. You know, it also goes to like the ethics of a holographic person. Like, is she a person? Is she like property to own? Uh, it also goes through like this weird love triangle between like Sam, um, Roscoe, and then Loretta, who's the hologram. It's like a weird, I don't know if I call it a love triangle, but there's something happening there. Yeah, because there were so many times where it's a will they, won't they between uh Roscoe Loretta and then Roscoe and Sam yeah because and I honestly didn't know who he was going to choose I actually I kind of wanted him to choose Loretta just because I didn't think he was that nice to Sam he kind of wasn't um yeah I would say like she obviously really likes him um you can tell through the whole movie but like there's one song where like she's like do I have to change like my hair my eyes for you to like and I'm like Roscoe you're actually an idiot um but I wouldn't say he's not nice to Sam I just think he's like he's like she says in the movie he's created his the perfect girl in his mind Mm -hmm. but it's not real like she can't physically be with him and also like she's like her personality is is a little off just because she's literally a hologram (laughs) yeah and there's like I feel like a lot of parallels 
from this movie to her, I had a lot of the same thoughts going on. And there's actually some things that Pixel Perfect did that are similar to her, but I thought did a lot better. Because if any, because anyone who had listened to our other episode where we were talking about her, um, one of our big qualms was, okay, the Samantha from her goes into the internet and basically never comes back. And you kind of don't know why she did that. Mm-hmm. And in this, we have a similar setup where we get to see Loretta go into like the virtual world and mm-hmm. we can see everything she has access to. Yeah, that was cool. And to me, when they were showing what Loretta could do on her own, because I thought her character was so much more interesting and fun to watch when she was just kind of off doing her own thing, kind of trying to better understand herself. Um, when she was kind of in her own virtual world, and it's like, damn her, like, you couldn't get that right, but Pixel Perfect sure did. I would agree. If we're talking about, like, holographic movies where two, uh, ho- not holographic, where technology movies where a human and someone who's non-human and that's technology-based fall in love, I would much rather watch Pixel Perfect than her. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, her cinematography, beautiful. Pixel Perfect, though, it has the energy. It has the <laughs> thoughts behind it. It makes more mm-hmm. sense. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so... But also, like, this movie also explores, like, the father-son relationship. It's clear either the mother died or she just, they're divorced and she just left. Mm-hmm. Um, as we don't see her, he has a very nice house, but he's also, like, in jeopardy of losing his job. So, like, Roscoe kind of does things to help his job and he kind of, like, feels responsible. And his dad is like, oh, we're business partners when Roscoe's just like, I want to be your son. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the saddest scenes is when the beginning of the movie um he sits down Roscoe sits down with his father to have dinner and Roscoe's telling him about like the band and how everything's kind of happening and then he thinks his father's listening and his father starts talking and you realize his father's on a bluetooth the entire time I'm like that's kind of sad Mm -hmm. he just like doesn't notice because he was only able to gain his interest once he realized how big Loretta was going to be and the things that he did with that technology yeah and it was kind of um I think it was after that moment where he's like you know what like I'm gonna do something for someone else and I think Mm -hmm. he starts off with the best intentions like he starts off being like I'm gonna help you your band because in the beginning they go to this like 18 and under club and they perform and basically they're like auditioning to perform at the club and the this British guy is like no like this you like you're you're you sound good but it's all about the visual now which I'm like it's kind of half true like it's not wrong I thought that was mm -hmm. no I was just gonna say I think that's pretty true to musicians today especially with women unfortunately it is kind of sexist how if you sometimes if you have someone who's a very famous woman singer she has to be dancing she has to be singing where you can have someone with like Kanye West just kind of get up on stage and just like stand in place the whole time. That's true. That's true. And then, but he asked Sam to like, he's like, oh, you're the singer. Why don't you go try do something? And she's really uncoordinated. And she's just like, mm-hmm. she's not like a, a peppy person. Like that's not her personality. So I kind of felt bad. So he starts Loretta and he basically kind of introduces her in the beginning of like an audition where like they're auditioning for new singers. And I will have to say, Loretta's dance moves insane she does double back flips she just kicks all her all of her dance moves it's a lot of leg she's very Mm -hmm. flexible 
Yeah, she is. <laughs> but you know, that's what you can do when you don't have a real body. <laughs> that's true. It was pretty, it was pretty great. Um, and then once, like, it's pretty, it's very quick. Once she auditions, like, Sam accidentally falls into her and she's like, what the fuck? And I have to say, they were, her and her band were much cooler about Loretta being a holograph than I initially thought they were going to. Mm-hmm. Like, it was so quick that they were like, okay. Yeah, and so did, uh, there's one scene where uh, Loretta is on stage and starts to malfunction in front of the yeah. crowd, which I thought was going to be a pretty big moment. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, like, this is a lot earlier that they're figuring this out than I thought it was going to be, because I yeah. thought the rest of the movie was just going to be, we've got this great dancer and we have to hide her from everyone because she can't go outside. Like, my prediction would have been, they're going to get really big and famous, but the big concerts like a beach concert outside or something like that but everyone is more than okay with her being a hologram they actually think it's so cool and that's what gets the one of the major companies involved wanting to create all these different holograms Mm -hmm. to just please all the different um populations like they're gonna have just a loretta for every different country to suit their needs exactly and that kind of starts going into like the property aspect where I'm like where it actually like they do have like certain I think it's in Vegas maybe it was with mm-hmm. um certain singers where they'll do like a holograph of their performance so like this isn't so far off from what like is happening now and what people are like trying to do that's why I was like I understand but also like from a business standpoint it's kind of perfect like there's yeah. no there's no like in the beginning there's no ethical matter because they're not actually human how they see them even though I think Loretta's has like her own thoughts and feelings um Mm -hmm. but one of my my favorite parts at towards the end of the movie where um they the record company buys Loretta and they start um they start kind of talking about like oh what are we gonna do with her we're just like you know ship her out and kind of like tour her and things like that and Ross was like what do you mean like you, you aren't going to give her a choice like what does that mean for her and the guy goes okay like we're going to set up a, a holograph um ethics group just for you like, oh gosh that just sounds like that just sounds like companies today yeah we're just going to no, set up an I... ethics group for people that's it it um, does make me think of what they're even doing with this technology like what's his dad's company like what do even in real life like what do we use holograms for besides entertainment yeah is there really like a practical use for holograms besides entertainment yeah i don't know what the dad's invention like why he did it because in the beginning of the movie um Mm -hmm. the son is actually like he's like maybe you should make something with the hologram instead of talking about it so it's clear mm-hmm. like he didn't necessarily have a plan for what he was going to use it for. Yeah. Um, but I was like, okay. Um, you know, Roscoe found a use for it, mm-hmm. which was, was like, okay. One of the creepiest parts is when Loretta malfunctions when on the double date, which I was kind of sad about also because like Sam like was so excited about the date and then she kind of realized Roscoe's just using her. So because Loretta can go on the state with this Roscoe's friend who said he'll help his dad with a job so I was like damn this kid is like helping out his dad 
like yeah. really really kind of saving him the dad's doing actually nothing oh but in that scene uh, when she's malfunctioning her like eyes are coming out of her body and her lips are moving super far away and Multiple she's just lips. so yeah so disoriented looking and then she ends up on the way other side of the restaurant and everyone's like how'd you get there all of a sudden and he's just like visiting people yeah. And they say she's like an exchange student because at the beginning they're like, "Where she's not a hologram, she's a person." Yeah. Oh wait, can we like talk about the ending of this movie, of, which of is course. just insane? Are you kidding me? Okay. But okay, so just to like explain the plot a little bit, um, when Loretta goes to the internet, wait, what? At what point did this happen? Oh, okay, so once Loretta like when she's bought by the record company, um. Roscoe kind of gets to the recording guy Riff I think is his name and he's kind of like she should have a choice so he kind of gives Loretta a choice he's like you can stay here and you know we can have you perform every night like doing whatever or you can go kind of he kind of shows his phone like you can go to the internet and like go be free so she decides to be free but she doesn't tell anyone so Sam is like you know what I'm gonna try to be Loretta she wears a terrible wig um and she pretends to be Loretta, but then she falls back and hits her head. And Loretta comes back and she's like, oh my God, I've been having the best time. And Roscoe's like, not now. Like, look she at Sam. In a coma. She's literally dying. She, her yeah. brain, not, her, she hit her head. She's like literally dead. And Loretta like goes into the brain scan machine and then goes into her brain and fixes her. Not really sure how that, that how that happens. Um, and then Sam lets Loretta inhabit her body for one last time because they they both can't like survive at the same time. So Loretta, as Sam goes out and like finally feels the rain because the whole movie she wants to go outside and like feel the rain and like feel the sun. A very Blade Runner moment for sure. It was. It was very Blade Runner. Mm -hmm. um, and eventually she kind of like, Loretta kind of like sacrifices herself and for Sam and when she's out in the rain and she feels it she like Sam passes out again and it's just her it's just Sam and Loretta is gone or we think she's gone that's true until we think the very gone. end of the movie which this kind of made me angry to end the movie this way because yeah. you have um Sam and Roscoe finally getting together at the end of one of the shows they're doing mm -hmm. and they're like walking away and can kind of feel that there's something, an, a presence with them, which is Loretta. And he like turns around and like smiles that Loretta's there. And I guess in a way of being happy that what they had, like that it happened, being happy that it happened, just the whole situation. But yeah. I kind of feel like it made it seem like, okay, well now he's with Sam, but still wants Loretta. Yeah. That's kind of how it felt to me. See it like that. I kind of thought that he like does like Sam, and then I thought him just seeing Loretta was just like her kind of looking out for them. That's how I saw it because they have this like fight, Loretta and Roscoe. So at one point, um, uh, towards the end of the movie, once they've already been like recording and things like that, um, it, it like him and the dad are kind of like the dad sees. Loretta is just like oh it's light and shadow like it's not a person and Roscoe's like no she's a person and she's perfect and he keeps saying the whole movie oh she's perfect she's perfect uh, but then she 
he's kind of like, if I'm so perfect, why do you keep changing me? Because, um, and he's like, even perfection has its limits. And I was like, dude. And then, then they start fight and she's kind and one of the thoughts I wrote down with where it's like, she goes, it's not fair. You made me like this. You should have made me real because she like, she realizes how her like holographic form limits her where in the beginning of the movie she's kind of like to Sam oh I'm perfect like I can do whatever I want I know everything and this is when Sam was doing math homework and Sam was like no the point of like doing this is so I learn how to do it but Loretta can never Mm -hmm. learn because she just knows and um I was kind of like I don't I don't know I don't think that like he likes her I think he he kind of feels bad for her at the end towards like that part where they have this fight and then he like she leaves to the internet Mm -hmm. I guess my big thing is I feel like at the end instead of him turning around Loretta should have they should have made Loretta's presence known to the whole band since she's watching over the whole band I felt like that would have been a better ending than just him seeing it I agree I, I can understand that that makes that makes sense um but I'm trying to think one of the other things I did like like the dynamic between like Roscoe Loretta and Sam because mm-hmm. once Loretta's like lost in the internet she actually emails herself to Sam and then Sam and Roscoe have this fight where she's like she kisses him and she's like I like you I'm real like why don't you want to be with me and then he she's kind of like of course you love like Loretta like of course you do you created her um and then Roscoe kind of goes what even is real like he kind of does love her back in a weird way um but I was like dude Sam likes you I don't know I'm, I'm Sam and Roscoe I'm like anti-Sam and Roscoe I have in my notes boom don't end up together when they can't get together I know I know I just didn't want them to I thought yeah. Sam could have done done better than him that's true I think Sam 100% could but like it's like the childhood sweetheart sort of thing they hinted at it in the beginning of the movie so I'm not surprised Mm -hmm. um I'm trying to think I really liked the personification of the internet when she goes on the web and it's kind of like all this stuff moving and the search engine is like a truck which is kind of funny yeah and at one point she's seen as a virus because she's just something that entered entered the web yeah it's kind of fun I had a lot of fun with this movie. It honestly, like, asks a lot of big questions when it comes to, like, technology and how we view it and, like, what is real, what isn't real. Yeah, I agree. This one really impressed me. It just took a lot of big hits. And, and this is one where I it, I think it'd be cool if they did remake this one. Not that they oh, need to, I but I feel like with technology today, I, I would be interested to see what they would change. I, I would be interested to see, but, like, you can't beat this one. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's it's honestly, like, like, if you told me this wasn't a Disney Channel original movie, I'd be like, wow, like, it's not a bad movie. Like, I was very impressed. Um, our next movie is Wendy Wu, Homecoming Warrior, which stars Brenda Song. Um, if you don't know, Brenda Song was in quite a lot of Disney Channel original movies, but as a side character. So she's finally the, um, she's finally a star and she plays a teenage girl who's running for homecoming queen and then also figures out she is like this destined one who's supposed to defeat this like secret evil, not secret evil, maybe secret evil. I don't know. It's kind of like like an 
uh, an evil spirit that's yes, going spirit. to destroy the world and cause earthquakes, all these natural disasters. Basically, mm -hmm. if Wendy's like the reincarnated version of this female or this warrior yeah. who's always in a female body, who's trying to prevent the evil spirit that they have like a certain timeline where, oh, every so thousand years, this evil spirit comes back. And if you, you don't defeat them, everything is going to get really screwed up. Mm -hmm. And one of uh, a monk is sent to like teach her of the ways and like how to fight and how to defeat the evil. And the whole prophecy is like the monk will die to saving um, the warrior. So this basically follows that, except she's an American um, teen girl living in California. So she doesn't want to save the world. She wants to run for homecoming queen. <laughs> and actually, all those scenes were so fun because they spent a lot of time focusing on homecoming. Because even when we first meet, like, well, not first meet, but Wendy is seen with her group of friends and her boyfriend, Austin, mm -hmm. who is also kind of a blip in this movie, but more important than the other blip guy from the other movie. That's true. Um, but Wendy sees the other girl, Jess was her name Jessica? I yeah, kind of Jessica. Jessica giving out cookies at lunch. And Wendy, who's like been dreaming of this is like, Jessica's been doing this to me all of our life. Whenever I want to do something, she's always there like right on my coattails trying to do the same exact thing. Like if I show up with a broken arm, then like she'll break a part of her body. Um, stuff I would like agree. That. Jessica's like obsessed with Wendy. One of the thing, scenes I really liked is so Jessica gives a cookie to Wendy's brother Peter, mm -hmm. and he's about to like take a bite of the cookie, and Wendy's like, "No, like you can't support her. Like you're my brother," and like throws her lipstick, and it does all these different spins, kind of like a blade, and it yeah. breaks the cookie straight in half. And I was like, "Oh, damn, Wendy!" Like. I was really on board for this movie. I thought she was really cool. No, she was so cool. I found this one to be one of the best, um, like, fight sequences. Because I do a lot of, like, digital movies, of, like, The Chosen One and things like that. But I think, like, all of the fight sequences were, like, super well done. Mm -hmm. I was, like, really impressed. And they really, like, did a lot of kind of, like... Um, you know, um, like Jackie Chan fight, like kind of like those sort of fight scenes for like a kid's yeah. movie. Like people running up walls, really like great kung fu action. So I was really impressed. I didn't think they were going to go like that far. But mm -hmm. like she really does like become a warrior. And I was like, it was good stunt work, I have to admit. Yeah. And then uh, the one thing I was like, oh my gosh. Peter is Eric from Twilight. I also saw that. Yes. I literally was watching it and I was like, is he from Twilight? And then I was, and like, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen this guy in anything other than Twilight. I honestly. know. So I was like, I, I was like, okay. Like, this is, I, I knew it. As soon as I saw it, um, I was like, that is, that is Twilight. My Twilight senses were tingling. <laughs> Yeah, so Shen shows up to the home, and he's pretending to be, like, one of their cousins. Yeah. This is and once he's accepted into the home. Once he's accepted into the home, because at first he, like, tries breaking into the home. Yeah. And we spent some of the movie where I'm, like, he's just chilling either in the home, 
in around the whole outside of the house and I'm like okay this is actually pretty creepy yeah and then eventually like Wendy believes him because <laughs> he just it, it is weird like Wendy acts appropriately when like some strange man is like you are a warrior there's this evil spirit you have to wear this necklace and she's just like chill um but she does believe him which was nice um and yeah. then they start like a little training montage she gives him a makeover and he trains her in the ways of the, of the warrior and the way that um he trains her is really cool because mm -hmm. they have the monks um kind of embodying the teachers in the high school so you kind of have this combination of all the teachers that you see getting involved here um so i like how that was done just kind of random training, like climbing on top of fences. I think there was one training thing where she had to like climb a pole too. Yeah, light pole. Mm -hmm. That was and then really just like a lot of karate work. A lot of yeah. Karate she also work. she learns to meditate. Um, he he convinces her to train because she's like, oh, I can't. None of this training is gonna help me. And he teaches her to meditate, and then she meditates in class because she has to pass a test in order to become homecoming queen. And Jessica literally threatened her with her grades because Jessica knows Wendy's grades. Um, you know, like, how, how did she find that out? I know. I was like, Jessica's just too obsessed. Like, she's got to mm -hmm. calm down. Um, so she's like, oh, no, I have to, um, like, I have to get ready. And um, Shen's like, oh, like, meditating can help you gather your thoughts. And she does well. But I love that because there's just a shot of her like sitting on her desk, shoes on, meditating in the middle of class. Yeah, no, that was nice to see because as her and uh, Chen become closer and closer together, she kind of uh, it just isn't paying as much attention to how she's perceived for the rest of her students yeah. because or the rest of the her classmates. Because one of the things she was really worried about was when... Um, Chen shows up to the school and she's like, oh my gosh, this is ruining my chances for homecoming. Um, and she kind of gets pulled out from this homage she was living in of just focusing on the one thing, becoming homecoming queen. And just like fo focusing on all the really important things in her life. Yeah. And this movie also, when Chen comes to the family, the grandma kind of does know. I think she knew Wendy was a warrior and mm -hmm. was like this you know, warrior that was passed down, you know, reincarnated through generations. Um, but part of it too is that the mom works at a museum and that's where the spirit was unleashed was through one of the artifacts that she was working on. And she's working on this whole exhibit from these terracotta, terracotta warriors. Um, and it kind of like makes her and, the, and Shen also like he makes mooncakes for them. It kind of makes them realize that they've kind of like have not incorporated like their culture to onto their kids and onto their like modern lives and it's like mm -hmm. it, they talk about how like oh they should they should you know bring it back and kind of accept it and not just like assimilate and get rid of it which I thought was mm -hmm. like also a really nice lesson for yeah. Disney which is which is really nice I was like oh also those mooncakes look really good yeah the mooncakes look good and there's like a scene where they're making cupcakes as well yeah, and those, those cupcakes look really good and I thought it was funny where when she's making cupcakes cakes jessica is on the weather channel as the guest and she's also saying like oh i'm gonna be giving white cupcakes tomorrow morning and i just thought it was so random know? to have yeah like it was just so random to have her on the weather channel like that and just 
what a coincidence that she was also making cupcakes. So that part I thought was pretty funny. Um, yeah, I was like, I thought there's something off with Jessica. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and then when she like, I think she, you know, she likes Shen. Um, she brings Shen to a party. And I have to say, there's at one point this girl is everyone you know Shen's really funny he's really good looking she gives him this makeover he looks really good um really they just fixed his hair I think once they fixed his hair he looked much better um Mm -hmm. but he does like pretty pretty risque dancing for Disney Channel him and that girl (laughs) yeah they were they were pretty close together there together I was Mm, like scandalous but also (laughs) he looks like he's like 25 in this movie he looked older. Yeah, I don't know how old he was, but he definitely looked older than the rest of the kids there. Yeah, he did. But, you know, eventually, obviously, the, the spirit is gonna, um, it's gonna, you know, unleash all of its power on the homecoming night. And at first, um, Wendy wasn't gonna go. But then one of the funniest lines is when she ends up coming and Jessica has been like, so the whole, through the whole movie, the spirit kind of moves through people, just like it has like the green glowing eyes. And if it looks someone or like even an animal in the eye, it'll transfer its like presence. So eventually it goes to Jessica and Wendy walks in, it's in the museum with the terracotta warriors. Wendy goes, oh, if you told me it was Jessica, I would have been here much faster. (laughs) Yeah, that was a good line. Um, And I guess how that fight sequence worked is, it was kind of broken into two parts because first you had all the terracotta warriors fighting and mostly the monks were the ones who were fighting the terracotta warriors. I feel like Wendy was involved, but that wasn't really her big moment. Mm-hmm. And you kind of think that after they are finished fighting all the terracotta warriors that they finally won. And I was a little bit disappointed because I was thinking, well, they didn't really show Wendy doing anything to her full potential as a warrior and I was a little disappointed, but then she gets her big moment because all the crumbled up terracotta warriors come together as this huge, like singular Warrior. monster. Yeah. And all everyone's like, oh my God, like this is big because this has never happened in all the years we've been alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when we really get to see Wendy use all of her strength to uh, fight this huge warrior. And uh, like, obviously they end up winning because- you can't have Wendy Wu not win in her own movie, but I know right? I did think it was a good ending, and um, Shen gets to kind of be a regular teenager again. Like he loses his ability to just be reincarnated. Yeah, which honestly, that's a pretty scary thing because he in the movie he, he tells he tells Wendy that he remembers every every past life mm-hmm. that he's lived. So I'm like, wow, you're giving up a lot, but yeah, good for you. Um, one of the funniest scenes in this entire movie, it was so funny, I watched it twice, was um, when Jessica, like, appears in front of the museum, and she, like, literally starts yelling in front of it, but you can clearly tell she's in front of the green screen, because, like, the, the size is so off, like, she's pretty big in the museum, it does it's not that far away so you're like why is she huge mm-hmm. and like she has all these green smoke and it starts to get really cloudy but like that entire sequence I actually started crying and then I had to my sister and I were watching it together I was like we have to watch that again <laughs> it was the funniest thing I've seen it throughout all of these I will say this is the yeah funniest. like I'm I'm tearing up just thinking about how, <laughs> how ridiculous that was mm-hmm. 
Oh, and you know what? A lot of good costume choices here. Like, especially good necklace earring combinations. Mm-hmm. A lot of good chunky jewelry. Yeah. So whoever the costume designer was, like, I see you. I saw all those good earring choices. Yeah, I did not like her makeup, though. I don't know. Wait, what was her makeup again? I don't know. They just had this, like, very tacky eyeshadow on. Hmm. I was like, and it was, like, very, like, pastel. I was like, why are we doing Brenda's song dirty? And also, like, her outfits were not always the greatest. Like, one of the lines when she's wearing that, like, orange-pink homecoming dress, and her grandma goes, why are you wearing that? like straight up I was like yes grandma mm-hmm. and it, but she was saying it because she's like why aren't you going to fight but in my mind she was saying it because it was ugly yeah and I feel like one of the main criticisms overall with like Disney outfits in these kind of movies would be layering and I feel like I did see quite a bit of layering here we ha- yeah there was this was definitely like the the layer movie um mm-hmm. we haven't gone to our next movie I would say there's some some layers to <laughs> some layers there but also uh, any some last great fashion on Wendy? um no last not thoughts uh I, I like this movie i thought um yeah that's it i just like this movie good movie i would agree good movie it's a good one um our next movie is high school musical 2 this one it's gotta continue because we did high school musical 1 this one, I would say, the bops don't stop in this movie. This you is definitely the best movie out of the three, for sure. Bet on it. Um, that last song at the end, like, I was watching this and I was like, these songs are kind of amazing. Like, they stepped up from High School Musical to this one. My, yeah, my favorites, What Time Is It, Work This Out, I Don't Dance, Fabulous, Bet on it though. Bet on it is no song could get better than bet on it. And I, guess how many? Guess how many days it took them to film the bet on it dance sequence? Three. No, it took six days to film wow. him just jumping around on that golf course. He was running like, pretty fast on that golf course. Yeah, um, he was like running, but compared to a scene like Fabulous or I Don't Dance, where you have to kind of have everyone working together and all the extras, like this was truly just him on that golf course that's by kind himself. Of sad. Mm-hmm. Um, bet on it. We, we can get to bet on it later. Um, if you don't know the plot of High School Musical 2, it's basically all of the kids at East Town High get jobs working at Sharp Face Parents Resort that I guess they own, but they're not like managers because they're rich and they do other stuff um Mm -hmm. and I have to admit in we're in the first high school musical I was kind of for Sharpay like I understood where she was coming from I did not understand where she was coming from in this movie like she was fully manipulating Troy like this entire movie and like pressuring him because she had money and he didn't have as much money and like needed this scholarship and she was like abusing her status as someone who was rich to be like oh I'm gonna get him a job I'm gonna get him a scholarship just so he can be with me and I'm like girl if you have to do that for a guy to be with you like look around like maybe you shouldn't be doing that yeah it it definitely shouldn't take three movies for Sharpay to understand that Troy is not the guy for me but I kind of feel like Sharpay did get him that job there and like for high schoolers at a nice country club like, they all had pretty good summer jobs, I feel like. 
that's true. Like I understand like the job point, but also like my mm-hmm. one of my favorite parts. I was like, obviously this kid has never worked a day in his life. When he's on the phone, the guy offering him a job, and he's like, actually, can you also give like my friends a job? You don't. <laughs> you don't say yeah, I don't, don't work until you hire my friends. Like that's not how life yeah. works. But Sharpay did say get Troy at any cost if that's, that's the true. cost like you know what are you gonna yeah. do um I will say the work here I don't understand with a schedule like they come in the morning they leave at some point but then they're also there at night but then the res- they don't stay at the resort they stay at their homes but it seems like the mm-hmm. resort is far away from their home yeah it's very I I couldn't think of the logistics I was I just stopped I said like this doesn't this doesn't mm-hmm. make sense yeah um I'm, I'm just gonna go in um but yeah so they obviously there's a talent show they have to sing at some point um and Sharpay wants Troy to sing with her obviously so she just keeps using her nepotism and her money to get Troy to do it <laughs> and he almost does yeah and the one scene where they're singing um I think the Nuka Nuka Aqua Ah song. That song did not age well. No, that didn't that didn't age well at all, but <laughs> some of Troy's facial expressions in that scene are priceless. Like the one that a picture that had gone around a lot where he's sitting in that huge chair with all the flowers on him. Like that that's so funny. Um I sent a meme to you where it's like midsummer and then it's that Yeah, it was, yeah, definitely midsummer funny. vibes. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, that was pretty funny. I'm trying to think. I guess we can go through it song for song. I feel like that's the best way to go through the movie. Yeah. So first song right. is What Time Is It? Which is a song I very much remember trying to learn the choreo to. <laughs> I also have a very distinct memory of really wanting to throw the papers up at the end of the year in my middle school and then having the teachers be like, well, you have to clean it up and then proceedingly not doing that. But wait, it's like... The- yeah no, that song the choreography was great there um yeah. and like I feel like growing up everyone's thinking about this movie and that scene mm-hmm. on the last day of school like there's no way you can that's true they do creepily chant summer for like 10 seconds which I did not find mm-hmm. it was just like everyone was whispering it but also saying it in different like tones it was very odd just- it like it really captures that last day though because there really is something like so nostalgic feeling about like counting down the clock of like yes like finally being free after all my hard time at elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> no, what, what year did this come out? No, this was like middle school, but middle like school. still the same feeling. Yeah. It's like oh gosh, my middle school was so hard. Now I'm free for the summer. Yeah, no, I'm free. I'm, free. I'm ready to make bank, as Troy says. <laughs> but also, like, the one thing, and I, I will, I get this, but also, like, they do unrealistic expectations. Like, Troy's like, I have to make bank this summer because my parents saying college is really expensive. But will I, I will add, their house, they can sell that for $2 million. Probably <laughs> more because they're in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Like, that house is so nice. Like, like it's obviously they're spending their money other places instead of their colleges their son's education but also mm-hmm. I'm like Troy is such a himbo you're gonna get mm-hmm. enough money working one summer <laughs> for four years of college it's like good luck kid good luck, <laughs> good luck. but also he's such a uh, 
there's more points of like that that I was just like dude Troy honey no Troy baby and for the real world I know and that's kind of this whole movie too is them like working like one of the, the stuff I was like this is how I, I I feel I realize I'm no longer in like the the mindset of these teenagers is when they kept breaking the rules and the guy's like you're gonna get fired I'm like why would you do that I know so I meant like, night- I mean, we'll talk about this later but like the work this out song where oh they're god. singing <laughs> where they're really like oh my god we have jobs like guys this sucks it's like <laughs> oh my god okay uh, okay but we can't skip over fabulous. the next song which is fabulous I which is the song when it first came out like, I know this was always my go-to still is honestly like my karaoke song oh like, yeah. this is oh, my god. song I never even thought about doing karaoke this song that's amazing it's just like the lyrics are just so fun and like she keeps like comparing things and there's Ryan in the piano uh, playing the piano in the pool like it's just so wild I love it everything about it and there was just so many bright colors too like all the flowered hats people are wearing and then like obviously Sharpay's in pink but it looks so good compared to like the sparkling water and like all the umbrellas um (laughs) And it's just so refreshing from seeing they're always in the same kind of like wildcat uniforms where everything's been so red before. And now it's like, oh my gosh, we've got all these vibrant colors everywhere. And I feel like this one scene really speaks to me of how you've got your first high school musical and you've got your third high school musical. And like, I guess in the first one, you kind of have to stick to a formula, which all of them do, honestly. But This, this movie is really like, we know we have an audience and we can kind of be more free about our settings and our characters. We don't have to spend every waking moment just with like Troy, Gabriella, and Sharpay. We can kind of branch out to the other characters a little bit more. And I feel like Fabulous is the one where it's like, all right, this is a totally different tone. Like we're just going yeah. crazy here. And I did like how like it was smart for them to do it during the summer because it it doesn't Mm -hmm. revolve like the first this and the third one they revolve around the school year while this Mm -hmm. is like this short matter of time and it it brings them where they're like outside a lot they're not really outside that much in the first the first and the third movie so it was really Mm -hmm. nice and they I don't know where they filmed it but it was like the sky was always so blue and the the -hmm. mountains in the background looked really cool so I think this was like a good uh, it was a it was a good job on them to like move the wildcats but to keep like their style because they're still obsessed with being wildcats they, that doesn't go away <laughs> yeah you, you, can take, you can take the the wildcats out of school but like you can't take the wildcat out of the out of troy bolton and his friends you really can't because after fabulous is when sharpay realizes that her entire school her entire class is um working which I too would be mad about like my entire class is just working at my family's resort not fun but obviously she's doing it for like not nice reasons which is Mm -hmm. I want Troy and now all of his friends are here which brings us to our next song which is they haven't even had one (laughs) day of work and they're literally complaining about how much work they have to do Mm -hmm. which is like I've also complained about my job like like that but I wait a week I'm like yeah. maybe a month until into the new job until I'm like, oh, this is like, oh, this is annoying. They, ha- I think they barely clocked it. 
they're like, like they, <laughs> they haven't served like anyone yet and they're just like nope we're <laughs> done here which it's a fun song but it's just so funny and so unsanitary yeah. that i was like <laughs> Of course, high schoolers are playing with every single cooking utensil, probably haven't washed their hands and putting it on their heads. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, God. And I've seen so many funny TikToks regarding this scene because they'll switch back and forth between, like, them dancing in the kitchen versus someone pretending to wait for their food or, like, wait for their order. (laughs) During the movie, they're always hanging out in the kitchen. I'm like, why are you serving people? Like, like, not all of them are waiters. So, like, um, what's her name? The actress's name is Monique, but I don't know what her character name is. Like, she's like, do they? Like, she has a pretty big job. She like, um, Monique is it Monique? Of, maybe her name is Monique. I thought that was the actress's name. Um, but oh, she, Taylor. It's Taylor. Taylor. Sorry. Yeah. So Taylor, she is kind of like in charge of all the activities, which I was like, that's a big job to put on like a 15, 16 year old. No, probably 16, 17. Um, your old girl and then um, Gabriella's a lifeguard which I'm like that makes sense um, mm-hmm. some of them are waiters oh um, at the only one I was really happy about was the guy who's a chef because he's like out here living his dream he's like I'm near Sharpay I'm learning how to cook because that's like his dream mm-hmm. I was like good for you he's like living his life but unfortunately no one else is and Chad's a waiter um, yeah but it was just I'm just like dude you haven't even, you haven't even worked. You haven't even like gone into the food and in, food service industry yet. Yeah, these are just like a song. lot of big, big jobs besides lifeguarding because that's pretty normal. Like these are, yeah, like crazy important jobs for a country club this expensive. Exactly, considering <laughs> like they have a, a reputation to upkeep. Mm-hmm. Um, but after this song, we get introduced to Sharpay's family, and I think we need to spend a minute on Sharpay's family her dad and her mom and it's just they're obviously the only children I did I expected none nothing less than that they're such a weird dynamic so this is when they're all playing golf Mm -hmm. and the dad's like good at golf and no one else is good at golf and it's just it's very weird it's like they're all supporting each other but they're so so enthusiastic I mean, there are some scenes that I liked regarding the family. The one that really comes to mind for me, at least, is where it's right after Sharpay finds out that they've hired basically the whole school to come work for them, mm-hmm. and she goes rushing to the mom, and I feel like Ryan and the mom have, like, a good <laughs> dynamic with each other. They do. Um, and I was so surprised that the actor who plays Ryan, like, they're in, like, a yoga studio, and he can, like, stand on his head yeah, with the mom. Really and I was like, whoa, like, that's really important. I mean, that's important impressive. and impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I found the golf scenes very weird. And, of mm-hmm. course, Troy has another himbo moment where he was asked, him and Chad were asked to be, like, golf caddies for them. Mm-hmm. Where he sees Gabriella working, he's like, we should go sneak a swim. <laughs> And this is all after they've already had one strike for like having lunch on the golf course and then like running around while the sprinklers go on, which I'm also like, it's like literally maybe your second day, maybe I don't even know if it's their second day could be still be their first. And then they want to sneak a swim on like the second day, but it could still could be the first day because I don't know how time works here. Um, and I was just like, girl, 
and Troy, you both. What's going on? And they obviously do, they get caught because that's what happens. Um, mm-hmm. The next song, though. Ooh. I feel like they do... it's a bit until the next song. Oh, is it I Don't because Dance? The... I thought the next song is there's a short rendition of You Are the Music and Me with oh, Zach yeah, Efron right. and. Yeah. Oh, I didn't count that as well. Which is like a kind of a throwaway song at this point. It's like, we know it, you know. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, but and then the next point, song is I Don't Dance After That. And while this is happening, Troy has been like, he's been promoted by this point mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, because he, oh wait, this is also one of my favorite parts. The next day after he gets his strike for swimming, um, he gets promoted to teach golf to the kids. Um, and Troy literally goes, I don't think I'm qualified. And I'm like, how well do I know what is? And also he gets a salary job. So everyone else is being paid by hour. We assume minimum wage, which could be like mm-hmm. in New Mexico, anywhere from eight to like $11, maybe 13 if like, I don't know how high the New Mexico minimum wage is. Um, he's getting paid $500 a week. That's just insane. Which is insane. Like, like, and everyone is so jealous of him. Like, everyone's like, I can't believe, like, he's turning into a new person. I was like, he's getting paid $500 a week. Like, are you <laughs> shitting me? Like, I, like, are you, come on. Like, that's, if you're a high schooler and that's how much you're getting paid for your summer job, that's insane. Might as well just quit high school at that point. Just start yeah. working there. And it's odd because everyone else has a job for, like, a different reason. Mm-hmm. Like, Chad wants to get a car. Other people are, like, saving up for stuff. And I'm like, they're like, he's becoming a new person. I was like, it's been three days. <laughs> like, like, let him get paid, get a salary paid job. Mm-hmm. Like, that's insane. Uh, but to continue, we go to um, I Don't Dance. And this is what I called um, the enemies to lovers sport romance song. As oh, I view I Don't Dance as <laughs> romantic tension between Ryan and Chad. Because... Ryan is very much coded as gay in this movie. He never doesn't wear a hat. He always wears a hat. I literally looked in this movie. I was like, does he? Do we ever see his head? Nope. Mm-mm. Always in some like very, very hat. He wears all white while wearing baseball, which isn't coded for anything. I just want to mention that because that's a risk. And he was willing to take it. Mm-hmm. And the biggest indication that they're that this is an enemy to lover is that they switch clothes and not a single person says anything. I know, and they literally just have no explanation. They're nope. just like eating lunch, and they have completely swapped clothes. And oh. um, Ryan's clothes are clean, where before they were dirty. <laughs> but that was honestly like that dance sequence was so good. First yeah. of all, it's funny that they're singing and dancing to a song called "I Don't Dance," where like yeah. they're literally dancing the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I just like how. Um, in the first movie, it's all about the basketball, and you're kind of taking that same, like, sport and yeah, adding yeah. choreography to it, which I think they do a good job at. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought that was really well done. Yeah. There's and actually <laughs> a whole, I was on, I was looking at the lyrics mm-hmm. of this song, and there's a whole, like, reading of it as, like, um, Ryan is telling Chad, like, it's okay to, to like, be gay, I guess. Or it's okay to like explore mm-hmm. your sexuality because like the like the whole song is basically 
Chad being like, I don't dance, and Chad and Ryan being like, you can. I know, and it's I know you can. I know you can, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, I didn't get to read all of it, but I was very, I was like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad everyone is seeing what we're seeing, because this was not, it was pretty obvious to me. What's the going other on. thing, the other thing I saw in this scene is at the very end where they're, um, after Chad, I think it's Chad who it's like a home run and like slides mm-hmm. in in the park home run and they're all just kind of celebrating there's a, a cameraman that can clearly be seen in the shot <laughs> oh i didn't see that before. oh my god okay yeah I'll, I'll i'll have to pull up exactly what minute it was but once you see it it's so obvious because you can see like all of his equipment and he's really close like he's in the forefront and i'm like what the heck why did he oh, use a different shot i was too focused on ryan and chad to yeah. notice wow mm-hmm. i actually didn't 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 see that also um in going on with the ryan and chad romance that is clearly mm-hmm. um himbo troy <laughs> ryan is it to gabriella like what the heck what just like dude he has yeah. can't you see he's coming for your best friend i know because there's that one one line where gabrielle was like oh i know ryan was like oh gabrielle's mom makes the best brownies and he's like I know. <laughs> I know. It's just like, it's just so funny to me because, like, it's very clear they're friends. And yeah. Ryan is not someone to feel threatened by. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. He's really not. Not yeah. when it comes to Gabriella, he's not. Mm-hmm. Which is just hilarious. I, yeah. I do feel bad for Ryan at some points throughout not only this movie, but also the whole series because. He's really close to Sharpay, who like is really only focusing on herself, and especially in this movie, she and Ryan have their skit to, or the uh, the song and oh. dance that they they always do together for the talent show, mm-hmm. and she's just like so ready to throw Ryan under the bus as soon as she can be with Troy. That's like true. just That's no true. second guessing. She's just ready to do it. Which like Ryan's really beginning to acknowledge that like oh I'm just second seat to. Troy every single yeah. time and so she, she yeah. gets kicked out of the the show so it's, in the beginning it was going to be her and Ryan doing their the um fish song and which also very odd choreography to that considering that she's the princess and Ryan is the fish that she falls in love with we're not going to go more on that um but instead she's like actually me and Troy are going to sing this song that Kelsey wrote poor Kelsey she gets put in the worst outfits mm-hmm like, I don't understand why. Also, she's also always in hats. I don't know if this is connecting dots between her and Ryan, something Because I feel like they were definitely trying to, like, push those two together. Especially in the which third should, definitely shouldn't happen, but oh, they were trying. Yeah. They were trying. Um. So, yeah, so he gets kicked out, and then the next song is um, Sharpay and Troy singing You Are the Music in Me, but, like, the more pop version. Which the I better version. I would the say better version, I think. I, not everything should be a ballad. I'm gonna say that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a lot of fun. She's so extra, and she her outfit is insane. She has like this weird tail, like tool tail or whatever. Yeah, because she's got the blue shirt and then the jean skirt and then the wild pink tail behind it. Yeah, the the layers in this movie, even though it was summer, was immaculate. Um, <laughs> And he just automatically knows the tempo. He knows all the words. 
he, this is their first rehearsal, and Troy, Troy, I don't think Bolton is on it. Mm-mm. He, something's not right. Yeah, I don't know. I I always really love Sharpay though, so I still feel bad. I, I, I guess bad. Yeah. I found it very hard to like root for her. I guess like she's not someone you're supposed to be rooting for, but for me, like not watching this as like a middle schooler but watching it as it now where I Mm -hmm. you can kind of see like what could be played off as like oh it's Sharpay being weird it's just like she's very like manipulative of him and she knows it like it's not like she's pretending Mm -hmm. she's not like she's using her money and status to pressure him to be with her so she can get a scholarship to college and uh, be the only way he can go to college which is just like a very it's a very weird thing as a high schooler to do. Yeah, I just always thought, and this doesn't have to do with like whether she's good or bad because like she's a little bit of both, but I always just thought she's such a more interesting character than Gabriella is. I agree. Gabriella is just like a blank piece of paper to me. I agree. In this movie, she kind of had nothing. Um, her, every her all of her lines were either like I love you Troy or like Troy you're a different person mm-hmm. which like is baffling to me and like Troy kind of feels this too I'm trying to think was there another song oh no there's not the next song is the breakup song which I'm gonna say this did they break up or did she just quit I don't know if she quit or not I I always interpreted this more as them taking time off and I actually okay. Out of all the breakup songs, I do like this one just because they're kind of the, obviously Troy and Gabriella are the it couple mm-hmm. and everyone wants them together. And this is kind of her moment where she's like, I have to just like, even though this is what everyone wants, maybe this isn't what I want. And I'm just yeah. going to take a step back from the situation and I just got to go my own way. And then, exactly. yeah. No, it was it was a good song. I mm-hmm. thought she, you know, obviously she's a very good voice. Um, mm-hmm. But the one thing I was like, I, the one thing is that I don't understand that like Troy is a different person. Like I, 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 really I, not, I don't understand that argument. Like I guess they see him as a different person because he's getting all these opportunities to do things that no one else is getting to do. Like when Sharpay gets him to um, go to the University of Albuquerque to like practice with their uh basketball team and maybe like he isn't changing but they think he's changing because of all the different things that he's doing while they're still stuck in the kitchen serving people yeah but like honestly like if if I was Troy's friend I'd be like good Mm -hmm. for you you're making more money you're getting places like it's and he kind of says that to her he's like it's not like I asked for this but it's Mm -hmm. like I don't know. I, I didn't see him doing all this stuff as such a problem. Like, I can see him ditching his friends mm-hmm. to do this stuff as, like, okay, okay, I, I understand that, but, like, he's doing it because he's, like, it's for my future, but I was, like, is this even what you want, Troy? It's not. Troy um, doesn't even know what he yeah. wants, though. Yeah, he has a big kind of, like, he talks to his dad about, like, oh, I feel like I'm a different person. Um, and his dad's just kind of like, you got to do what you want. Can't let ever, anyone else, like, influence you. Like, if you feel this way, you can still fix it. Um, and then Troy goes back to the kitchen and he sees this flyer because Gabriella and all the rest of the staff was going to do the talent show with Ryan. 
And Sarpei heard about it and she was like, nah. -uh. So he sees this flyer that's like, oh, no, all staff has to work, which mm -hmm. truthfully, they would have to work. Who, do they have? I don't see other staff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That, yeah, you literally don't see, besides the one kind of manager who Sharpay talks to, yeah. you do not see anyone else who works here besides no the high here. schoolers. Mm -hmm. um, so, he, he crumbles up that paper and he goes to the golf course to sing out his feelings in, I would say, the best song of the entire movie. I agree. I think this is the best song. Like when it, this starts playing in a room, everyone starts dancing because everyone knows the songs and you know the lyrics i would have to yeah. say him running around that golf course mm -hmm. the saturated green golf course him talking to himself in the water splashing Such it a good scene. like the intensity everything about this is just great and yeah i have no comments it's just amazing there's nothing i would have changed about that scene it's I perfect agree. Was, you know, I mentioned it took six days earlier. I think it might have needed all those six days. I agree. I think, mm -hmm. like, it's a pretty long song, and he is really... I think with all the other songs, they probably, like, and like when they film the, like, group shots, but I think everything else is probably secular, so you're not always working. Mm -hmm. But I'm just, like, like, uh, it was just so good. And he's in all mm -hmm. black, and he's very tan in this movie. yeah. And he's like aggressively hitting the golf balls to like take his anger out. Yeah, it's just it. Everything's good about this song. Mm -hmm. If you don't even watch this movie, you should just go watch it. The song, because it's absolutely it, it. It it was a cultural reset. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. It really was. That was it. Bet on it. Bet on it. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course, and then we go to the rest of the songs, which. So when he comes back, he, he's had his inner turmoil. It's done. He knows what he's going to do. He gets his job back as a waiter, which mm -hmm. I wouldn't have done, but to each their own. Um, and I love it when everyone is cheering when Troy and Chad hug. I was like, that's a real yeah. moment. Mm -hmm. but, uh, Chad mentions Ryan plays baseball. I was like, yo, the romance is alive. Yes. <laughs> that's the only time we see them, I think interact for the rest of the movie either way the other two songs though aren't as memorable because it's every day which is still with Zac Efron and Vanessa Hutchins I didn't I didn't like that one as much because like as a performance on the stage it's not that memorable mm -mm. like when they're all huddled in a circle I'm like that's not good for anyone who's watching like yeah why? Mm -hmm. and then it, the last song is all for one which Miley Cyrus is also in I, see I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, if you, you voted for which guest star should should be in High School Musical 2, and everyone voted for Miley Cyrus because she was in Hannah Montana, um, that was also a moment. And I was literally you know? looking for yeah. her the entire time. Oh, yeah, that's like all you kind of look for in that scene. Boy, do you know what other guest stars in High School Musical you could have chosen? I think one of them was Raven Simone. I'm not sure. I don't like okay. particularly remember who else. It was mm -hmm. probably whoever else was on like Disney Channel shows at the time. Um, I actually liked this song. I thought it was like super upbeat. It, it it's a weird way to end the movie. Like before this, it's just like all of the characters on the golf course, like running around on the golf course, and mm -hmm. Gabriella and Troy finally kiss. Because I think is this the first time they've kissed the entire two movies? Because they don't kiss in the first one. They don't. I could have. How I feel like they must have kissed in the first one. I don't 
we'll have to get back on this. I don't think they do. Hmm. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm honestly not sure. I don't know. I thought it was just it was great energy to end off yeah. with. It didn't make sense plot wise at all, but like they could have ended, I think, before, but I feel like I don't know, maybe they needed to add Miley Cyrus in this. They need some They needed video. another pool scene. If you have a pool that nice, you gotta have another dancing by the pool scene. That's true. So, mm-hmm. I agree. I say yeah. overall, like best of the trilogy. A hundred percent. Love this movie. So fun. Just such a good time. Um, and that leaves us with our last movie, which is the totally bonkers movie. It's just Minutemen. A movie, this is actually the first time I watched it. I had seen a trailer for it and then was like, nope. Um, and I'm sad I didn't watch it because this movie has things to say. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't, I, I feel like out of all of these movies, minus High School Musical 2, this one has the least message. Yeah, this one is just like guys go back in time travel and learn to like be confident with themselves, which is a good lesson. It's not I'm a bad lesson. I'm conflicted about this movie though because there were some parts I really liked. The main guy Charlie, though, I did so not like annoying. Charlie. Um, he I, was so annoying, and I don't want to like bash that actor, but like his acting was not good. I I would agree. Um, like I kind of like cringed every time he was on scene, and it doesn't help that he's one of those characters. Who's like, oh, I'm married to my work. I'm married to science. And I'm just like this smart outcast. Because I've really grown to dislike those characters. Yeah. I feel like it's been done before. And this guy, Charlie, he wasn't really bringing anything new to the table for me. Yeah, I did like, however, it's Charlie. Nuance. Yeah. And then the other two characters, it's uh, Virgil Fox, who mm-hmm. starts out as this normal kid, but... Um, during one scene he helps charlie when he's getting bullied and then that ruins his life because now he's one of the nerds too and charlie and virgil get hung from these uh the ram or a ram statue because that's their um mascot and that's kind of the main thing where virgil even though he likes his nerd friends now it's not ever what he wanted and Mm-hmm. personally I thought it was kind of hard to get behind because we meet this is the scene that happens at the very beginning and we don't get yeah. to see Virgil doing any of the living his normal life that he keeps on referencing before so mm-hmm. I personally think it would have been good to at least show him with another group of friends who all abandoned him after this moment yeah. to really like support what he's saying yeah he does have like um I forgot her name it's like Derek and um, I forgot who Stephanie. Stephanie, yeah. So like, mm-hmm. kind of see them as friends, and then obviously he likes Stephanie. Um, but then Derek and Stephanie date, and they do a time jump to three years later. So like, mm-hmm. it cemented his like loser status. But this movie basically is like, but also I like to add that Charlie is like twelve or something mm-hmm. like that. Like he's he's basically nine in the beginning of the movie. And then the three-year jump, and yeah, 12, I would say. So mm-hmm. he's much younger than everyone else, um, which only adds to his superior, superiority complex um, that he has of himself. Mm-hmm. But he also, like, there's this girl that has a crush on him, and she's like, uh, he's always like, mm, like, she doesn't like me. And I was like, she's really going out of her way to, like, be nice and hang out with you when you're 12. I like, could not understand 
what Jeanette liked about Charlotte. I agree. I couldn't see it. Um, she was just like real quirky girl though. Like she really liked birds. She mentioned that a few times. A couple times. She calls she calls Charlie like different bird names. Um, but we have to mention the third Minuteman of this, which is Zeke, who's played by um SAG um nominee and Emmy nominee. Gold, I think Emmy nominee, and Golden Globe nominee actor and actor Nicholas Braun from Succession, which I have to add because <laughs> he's hilarious in this movie. He's, I forget how tall he is because he is quite like he's quite tall than everyone else, and he's also like a, supposed to be supposed to be kind of like scary and metal in this movie. He's like the bad boy. Yeah, the bad boy because he always like, carries around a grappling hook too. Yeah. <laughs> He's always about the grappling hook. But the one thing I didn't like was, like, he's in, like, um, welding class. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why are we knocking welding? Like, why are we knocking, like, trade classes? Like, those are important to our society. And also, like, welding's a skill. Very like, hard. To, I've never done it, but I imagine it'd be very hard. Yeah, and I'm just like, why are we knocking Zeke? Because this is what he wants to do with his life, and he's not like Charlie like yeah. he works on motorcycles that makes him happy like why are we why is he like bad because of this it's just what I was like annoyed with but. I think just the outfits he wears and his attitude the a little bit jacket? towards the beginning as well he wears, um, he wears a muscle tee at some point I was like oh yeah bad okay, I do want to go back just to the height difference that you mentioned just because there is one <laughs> shot where it's like Zeke standing up and then it's Virgil and then Charlie and they do make like the perfect slope downward with their height that there's this one shot where it's like a perfect like tall medium small and I really crossed my mind like did they make these casting choices based on this height to get this exact shot I would say yes I think it's a possibility for sure I'm not counting it out um yeah and we haven't even gotten to the actual plot of this movie yet. <laughs> um, so what happens is Charlie invents a time machine and they don't, and it works and they can only go back 48 hours. Um, but they were like, okay, so at first they were like, we're going to win the lottery, but they don't have enough time. So they tell this, this robot guy to what the numbers were. And they're like, oh, we'll come back tomorrow. We'll buy the ticket. Mm-hmm. Obviously the robot guy buys the ticket. Um, and he wins. So then they're like, okay, what are we going to do? We can't do it again. Because Charlie's like, that's morally and ethically wrong. And I was like, Charlie, shut up. Um, and I would do that. And then yeah, they, I would and too. Be, um, one of their friends, uh, is his name Caleb? Or did I just make that up? There's Chester. Oh, Chester. That's what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. Um, Chester, one of their friends. He's one of the nerds. Um, my sister said this, his entire direct... Um, like the director was j- basically just telling him to act like Urkel because that was his entire personality was a not great impression of Urkel mm-hmm. um, and really mean we see him in the movie before he um, someone puts him into a vending machine and the vice principal does shit and then this other time he's getting bullied the mean kids steal his clothes from Jim and he has to walk out naked and once again the vice principal doesn't do anything um he's just like oh the hierarchy can't change that I'm like you're literally an adult so the Minutemen are like you know what let's change this so they decide to 
like stick up for the the little guys they help chester and they have a bunch of other people but then it gets out of hand yeah and the one thing that i thought was interesting because i did have a lot of moments while watching this movie where i would think of something negative and then they would like throw me for a loop and like let me give an example so there's a scene with chester that we were talking about where they're going back in time to kind of prevent situations like Virgil from ever occurring where you have these people who are normal and now like they're nerds, but the people they're trying to help are the nerds this time. So one of the things I was thinking was like, okay, it's good they're helping these nerds, but like you're, they're already at the bottom. So by these things happening, you can't go any lower. Mm -hmm. But the thing that would happen here is they would help the nerds and then they would become the popular kids after that which I thought was also a really interesting twist. But they would also become, like, mean. Like, Chester kind of mm -hmm. becomes a bully, which, Mm -hmm. truthfully, makes 100% sense. He bullies the kids that were terribly bullying him. Yeah. Um, And this is when the vice principal notices something. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's another guy that they help. um, which is they, he was, like, a waiter at a restaurant, and this girl was like oh can you bring our food out for me and he was like sure and she's like flirting with him and then she moves the like wet sign so he slips so they go back in time and fix it um and because I guess he was an outcast and he's asked to like join in on a a hacky sack which then gets Mm -hmm. Stephanie to fall off the pyramid um shirling pyramid and break her leg which then she can't try out or get scouted for cheerleading scholarships which are a thing I didn't realize that um so it, it all like comes full circle and it's kind of when Chelsea gets involved that Virgil kind like they kind of stop halting the little guy because he they help her because obviously mm-hmm. he's in love with her but then she tells Derek and I was like of course Derek's gonna ruin it yeah because what happens is then Derek who's the football star makes a really bad play during the football game because he gets distracted by, I think it was still Chester he gets distracted by. Or it was someone else who had ran onto the field? Like, oh, sure. It was Chester. Well, it who was Chester, yeah. Onto the field, yeah. So that's when um, Stephanie is like, well, you have to help him because you helped me and like you've got this great power. And they're kind of like abusing like Virgil's... Um, time travel ability even though they like especially Derek never even stuck up for him during his worst day yeah exactly Mm -hmm. like Derek is kind of not a great guy like you find out that he was the one that like had the idea to Mm -hmm. lipstick and to put them on the ramp which is such a shitty thing because he was literally just your friend like five minutes ago Mm -hmm. Um, yeah he's a dick I don't like him um but yeah, so, like, all this time traveling not only has consequences, like, in the future, it also kind of the subplot of the movie is that it's affecting, like, the space-time continuum and the entire world is gonna um, explode and mm-hmm. kind of kill everyone. And they're, like, being stalked by the FBI at one point. Um, and eventually, they, like, basically take them and they're like, you have to fix this. Um, and <laughs> everyone just calls them snow snowshoot guys because they wear these pristine white snowsuits um and so you can't see their faces because it's so cold when they do the time travel but 
it literally thought, makes no mm-hmm. sense. They try to, like, Charlie tries to explain it at one point. And I'm like, he's literally saying nonsense. Yeah. I did like the, the snow outfits, though. Like, I, I thought, thought that was so funny, funny how they were, they, like, wouldn't give them the name of Minutemen. They're like, oh, like, it's, it's those guys. Yeah, it's just those guys. The, the snowsuit suit guys. Yeah. Um, and, of course, they have to, so they, Charlie's like, oh, to fix it, we have to go back in time and like warp the hole or whatever. I don't know, it doesn't really make sense. I'm not even trying to make sense of it. But the idea is that they have to go back in time, but they don't know where. So they do it. And of course, it's exactly three years uh, in, in the past to when, you know, Virgil is going to, you know, get made fun of and put on, you know, his hanging Maya's underwear. And it's this choice, which I, I did think like in that movie, um, that was kind of nice where like, they have a certain amount of time till they get back mm-hmm. or else they'll be stuck there. And like that literally can't happen. Um, so as soon as they do it, Virgil realizes that, oh, it, this is when I, this when this like traumatic thing happened to me. So he goes and he tries to stop it. And Charlie's kind of like, no, don't stop it. Cause this is when I became friends with you. Like if this doesn't happen, we're never going to be friends. And like, that was a really important moment for me. Like that's not how I view this moment. I view it in a positive light instead of a negative. And I was like, that's true. You got to like think about perspective. And of course, Virgil is about to do something. And then he sees Derek being a shit. Um, and he saves them just in time. And the grappling hook also saves them just yeah, in time. Yeah, grappling hook comes in handy. And I feel like Zeke doesn't really have any moment with anyone. They kind of just made it like, okay, we have to have three boys here. Yeah, they kind of do. But they give him like two girlfriends. That's true. Yeah. He They're is like a ladies' that. man. He's a bit of a ladies' But man. I guess there's no moment where they really do focus on the bond between Charlie and Virgil, and then Zeke's there, too, with this grappling hook and two chicks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Motorcycle and his leather jacket. Mm-hmm. That's kind of true. Zeke is also, he's kind of one of the, he's, he's not a blip because he's quite funny. Um, but he could, he could, if he was played by a non- non-succession actor Nicholas Braun and you know he could have been a blip but you know he makes it work. yeah mm-hmm. yeah we, we appreciate you Zeke we appreciate you mm-hmm. the movie would have been not as fun without him he also yeah. like, perpetually like I feel like they told him to act stone but this is a Disney movie so we yeah can't actually do that <laughs> that's kind of like his person he was kind of like spacey and kind of like what or he would just like not answer a question yeah and then it was interesting that their, like, lair where they're doing all the time travel, it's underneath the football field, which I actually thought was pretty cool. It's, like, very random. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's, like, if I was a kid in high school who had, like, a secret life like that, like, you'd want to have an underground lair somewhere. So it's, like, yeah, okay, I can, I can get behind this. Yeah, I also liked how... They, it, they called it a club, so they, like, asked the vice principal. They were like, we want to use this room because mm-hmm. you're literally a, a terrible vice principal and you're just ignoring things. And the vice principal was like, all right, got to do it. Um, so they, they like, oh, it's a club. And so they call it, like, it's like the Back to the Future, like, movie fan club, which is how Jeanette goes to it. Mm-hmm. I found very funny that no one else was, like, trying to get in on that club. I feel like with the Back to the Future Time Club, or like, yeah, Back to the Future Club, like, 
they only have a trilogy to talk about anyway. That's true. It's not like, bad. I wonder how much you could really, like, hypothetically, how much you could really get out of a Back to the Future Club. That's true. I'm sure you can, like, I, I guess you got, you really got, like, maybe four sessions total. Talk about the first yeah. movie. You, I guess you can do multiple. You can do, like, we watch the first movie, then we talk about mm-hmm. the first movie, and so you can double it, so it would be, like, eight or whatever. Yeah, I mean, definitely a good homage to... One of the great time travel movies, but, but as far as, like, more. the logistics, but, but, like, the time travel they do, it's just all so random. Yeah, it literally makes no sense. And even, like, mm-hmm. of course, in Back to the Future, it didn't make sense either, but there was, like, a weird logic to it. Here, it's mm-hmm. like a nine-year-old invented a time machine. Good luck. Yeah, because at I least thought- when, like, Doc would explain time travel, it's like, okay, like, this doesn't make sense to me, but it doesn't make sense in a smart way where I'm just too dumb to understand it. And this is just, like, Charlie and his, like, random um, car that started the whole time travel thing. Yeah, exactly. It just, like, didn't... His car also didn't make sense either. So, like, Charlie's not as cool as as you think. He thinks he is. Not as smart. That's that's more Mm -hmm. hurtful to him. Um... But overall, I would say a pretty good five movies we picked. I know I definitely agree. Do you have like a favorite out of the five we chose? I would say Pixel Perfect was the one I enjoyed watching the most. High School Musical 2 comes at a close second, like very close. Yeah, I would say I'm not going to count High School Musical because I think that would be my favorite, but out of the ones I hadn't seen, I think Pixel Perfect is the clear front runner here. I would agree. If you mm-hmm. were to watch any of these, it's Pixel Perfect. Yeah. Like, it's just, they did a good job. And it's rare that a digital movie is, like, thought-provoking and has something important to say. Because mm-hmm. some of them are just dumb. I'll admit it, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's it for this episode. Um, let us know what you think. We have Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd, a YouTube channel I never post to. Feel free to follow any of those. Um, There's lots of ways to find us on the internet. There is. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye.